You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff. This is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm here in the studio next to Jeff. How are you, Jeff? I am doing very well, Neil. It's a Monday night game. My favorite. It is your favorite. You often do say that even when it's not Monday, but I'm glad you're here and you're enjoying yourself today. Ken, you're sitting across from me. How are you doing today? I'm good. Um, That intro was very businesslike. I don't know if our listeners uh, realize it, but I've sat across from you for a long time, Mm -hmm. listened to a lot of intros. Today's was extra on point. Well, I've actually begun uh, my journey as a pharmaceutical rep. Uh, oh, the suitcase okay. in the corner is where the pharmaceuticals are. They're all, all of my own pharmaceuticals. Ph- pharmaceuticals with you? I do bring them everywhere, and they're not just supplied for to me. For taste test? For taste testing, and uh, they're not supplied to me by the companies. They're just for my own personal collection. Okay. So I open up a uh, an overcoat, and I say, what do you need, and how many milligrams, et cetera. I just wish you were wearing something under the overcoat. That's why it's called an overcoat. That's true. Well, my, my thinking is I, I was told by a very great businessman, uh, the, the Wolf of Wall Street, when I paid for a seminar, that if you try to sell someone something nude, they're going to buy it because they just want to get away from you. Okay. Yeah. Jordan Belfort. Um, <laughs> and Matt is not here. Actual quote. Actual quote. Uh, sell me this medication, but do it when, when you're not nude. Um, Matt is not here today. Uh, he's actually uh, off to Pasadena. He's trying to uh, audition for uh, the role of Dogberry and Much Ado About Nothing in a community theater production. So we wish him the best of luck on that. Uh, but we have a very special guest in his place. Uh, speaking of Shakespeare, I'll let him talk about that in a minute. Uh, he's coming to us from New York, and I do want to highlight two things. Uh, the first thing is uh, he wrote us an email uh, when he first started listening to the podcast, and it's something that we actually implemented uh, from the moment we got his email up until now, which is he said, could you introduce each other at the beginning of each episode for those of us who can't tell your voices apart. And so that's why we've been doing it. And I think it's been a a massive success. Uh, And the second thing I wanted to highlight is he is uh, a great author and I'm a big fan of his work and I'll let him talk about that. And that is Eric Didrikson. How's it going, Eric? It's going well. Thank you. Yeah. And thank Uh, you for that, uh, that wonderful suggestion. uh, I, I, I assume that, um, there at least has to be at least one other person who couldn't tell John from Paul from George when they first started listening to the Beatles. So, um, take no. They fans. really couldn't. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell well, us? Same oh, to me. So you've got two good impressions today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, that book I was talking about? Um, I live in New York. 
Uh, I'm a software engineer by day and wrote a book a number of years ago called Pop Sonnets, where I took pop songs and turned them into Shakespearean sonnets. And it's very entertaining. Uh, I think we even had a host on the show, maybe Emily. Uh, she actually asked a question about it without knowing that Eric listened to the show. She asked a pop sonnets question. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and then when we told her afterwards, oh, we know Eric, he's a patron, um, she lost her mind. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for being here, Eric, and also for she's your- She's okay now. She Well, yeah, she's okay. Yeah, she found it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> she got over it in about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you for supporting us on Patreon uh, at the uh, Oakland Five level and for uh, being on the show today. We appreciate it. Of course. Our uh, special guest host today uh, is returning uh, with the vengeance, or I suppose if it's in the Die Hard universe, he is hosting harder, hosting two harder. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, <laughs> uh, he's coming to us from Pittsburgh and he is a Dutch enthusiast on Patreon, uh, which we appreciate and keeping us honest with our Dutch heritage, and that is David Fudor. How's it going, David? Uh, hi, Neil. Uh, going great. Uh, super excited to be back for my uh, second time. Um, it was a real pleasure to host uh, the game the first time. I certainly told a lot of people about it, and then when the episode dropped, I said, well, I'm on the Triviality Podcast, and they said, are you the moist maker? I was like, well, I, maybe maybe I have to ask for uh, editorial control over my uh, episode titles, but I don't. I, I I can't even imagine what the Die Harder title on that intro. So I'm not sure what this is going to be titled. But I am super excited to be back. All right. I'll make sure it's really bad. I forgot his episode was yeah. the Moist Maker one. I think that was my call. <laughs> David too, even moister. Yeah. No. I I don't know. The moister maker. I know people hate the word moist, but I mean, if you think of it in terms of pastry, you want a moist pastry. I think half of our listeners have turned it off based on the amount of times we said the M word already. That's true. That's okay. I mean, they were just missing out. Uh, well, uh, it looks like, Jeff, you and I are going to be a team today. Yes. Uh, and we came up with a team name, and I'll let you talk about it because you've recently... Uh, I'm a convert. Yeah, you've a, you're say. a convert. Yes. So Neil was talking at length probably for much of the second half of last year, about how Dua Lipa's new album was so great, and he's listening to it all the time. He maybe mentioned it once. Yeah, once or twice. And uh, and then I ended up pretty much binging it for the last few days. Don't blame um, Neil for this. Especially at work, because spreadsheets are boring. I don't know uh, if you know that or not. But So, yes, I, I do like the album. I think it's quite good. And uh, in honor of that, we are going to be what, Neil? We're going to be the uh, Saturday morning news program levitating with Lipa. Okay. We're going to be the uh, Sunday morning news program, me and Eric, that is. And we're going to be Sundays with Sufjan for Sufjan Stevens. All right. So well, two... I think also released an album recently. So two very different morning shows, different tone, everything. Yeah, Sufjan's is very chill. Right. It's just kind of like, hey, look at the waves, the clouds, <laughs> that kind of thing. I don't know anything about Sufjan Stevens. Except for that one period when he went like heavy electronic. <laughs> that's that's the, the uh, traffic break. Yeah. Very electronic. Uh, well, um, we have our team set. Eric, you are our guest today. Uh, any preference on the rules, Reed? Um, let's go classic. All right. Classic's been super popular lately. If we ever want to use any of these alternates, we got to stop asking people what they want. That's cause... true. Classic uh, takes the cake. Well, here's the special part. Eric doesn't know which one we're going to put in yet, so it could be classic. <laughs> it might not be classic. So we'll see what happens when, this, when the episode's released. 
De regels van het spel zijn simpel. 20 vragen verdeeld over twee rondes, waarbij elke vraag 10 punten waard is. Halverwege is er een speciale swingronde, ontworpen door de host van deze week. Na deze rondes beginnen de spelers aan de finale, met de punten die ze hebben verdiend. En hebben ze de mogelijkheid om 0 tot 30 punten in te zetten op 5 gecategoriseerde vragen. Aan het eind van het spel wordt iemand benoemd tot de cream of the crop. I am the cream of the crop, and don't forget it, Dutch boy. What did you think of that, Eric, even though you have no prior knowledge of which one was played? Stunning. There we go. The enunciation is just immaculate. Awesome. Uh, that well, means I have to put the Dutch one in. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it is a classic rules reading. It is Just classic. in Dutch. Yeah. All right, well, we know who the teams are. We know what the rules are. David, feel free to take it away and host uh, this sequel. Okay, let's go. Round one, question one. The category is the Olympics. At the 1976 Summer Olympics, Nadia Comaneci became the first gymnast to ever score a perfect 10 in Olympic competition. In what specific gymnastics event did she score the first 10? All right, um, Eric, uh, I'm about 60 or 70% sure. Uh, so let's go ahead and lock in if you don't mind. Let's do it. Okay, Jeff, so I believe... The event that had the perfect 10 was at least one of them, or maybe it's all of the gymnastic events, where they, they have to land, and then their their arms go up in the air. You know, everyone claps, and they, it's the really perfect landing. And I That happens occasionally. Happens occasionally in gymnastics. So I, I feel like it's uh, either vault, which is I think you run, and then you, you hit that springboard, and you do the flip, or beam uh, of her doing a bunch of flips and then landing. So you get hit with a beam. You're right. Well, the, you also have the uneven bars, and often when you dismount, you'd want to do that landing thing where you throw your arms up. And I apologize because me saying where they have to stick a landing, I think, is like every gymnastics event, so that makes, makes me yeah, sound really stupid. Except for maybe uh, like the ribbon stuff. I don't uh, think they have to stick a landing there. That was my my category, the uh, ribbon dance. Imagine this, though, Michael Flaherty doing a, a ribbon <laughs> river dance. I, I knew you were going that way. Uh, I was like... <laughs> I want to say it's, I'm leaning towards beam because I feel like it's really difficult. Okay. I could be wrong. Do you want to just go with beam? Yeah, we can go beam. And we picked one that's a lot shorter and is difficult, but a lot less margin for error maybe. And we said vault because you just have to do one perfect trick. Unfortunately, no points going out that round, although the, the correct answer was said. It was the uneven bars. Oh, no way. It was the uneven bars. I would have thought that one was... Uh... Probably a lot harder to achieve, but yeah, I'm wrong. That's what makes it so special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Round one, question two. The category is comedians. In 2004, Comedy Central released a list of their top 100 stand-ups of all time. While many on the list are now known more for acting than for stand-up, this performer, who ranked fourth all time, is now arguably known best for directing. Name him. And for two bonus points, can you give me numbers one, two, three in any order? All right, we threw some names out. The director angle is really throwing us off, but we're going to take a guess. Okay, Eric, any initial thoughts on this? So I'm really struggling to think of any stand-up comics that have gone over into um, directing. The only ones I can think of are Rob Reiner, who isn't nearly big enough in the stand-up world to be number four. The only one I can think of, and it makes sense that they put him there in 2004 and probably not so much today, would be Woody Allen. Is he a stand-up, too? Uh, 
yeah, he he did a lot. Of, that's how he initially made his bones. Mm. Um, I was thinking Mel Brooks, maybe. Was ooh. Mel Brooks a stand-up? I'm not sure. I wouldn't think of him as a stand-up, like maybe, but maybe. he did a bunch of like sketchy stuff with uh, Carl Reiner, but yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Maybe way back in the day he did stand-up, and we just don't remember it. And then for the bonus, I was I just wrote down George Carlin, Dave Chappelle, Richard Pryor, and um, there's another guy who's always brought up. His I think his name is Bill, not Bill Burr. Um, he's, wow. he's dead. No respect. I think uh, Pryor and Carlin I definitely had as probably one and two. Uh, other people I was spitballing was uh, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, Lenny Bruce. I'm good with any. I'm I'm really good with anything here because I think it's kind of a toss up. So. Definitely Pryor and Carlin. We had those as an overlap. I'm thinking maybe Murphy or Martin just because they were the first few to really sell out stadiums. Okay. So let's say um, Carlin, Pryor, and Steve Martin. And then what did you want to go with the top answer? Woody Allen or inclined, Mel Brooks? I'm kind of inclined to, to go with Brooks. Okay. Mel Brooks. All right. Uh, for our three bonuses, I'll start there. I'll let Jeff take the uh, number four. Uh, we just thought Lenny Bruce, you know, very famously um, exiled uh, for free speech at one point, and a lot of people, you know, regard him as uh, the tip top. Uh, and then Pryor and Robin Williams are our three guesses. And then Jeff, what about for number four? Yeah, the only one we know that really successfully transitioned to being a director after doing stand-up was Judd Apatow. Now, we think that might be a little early, but we guessed Judd Apatow. Well, that was a good discussion. Um, Eric had it and kind of got talked out of it a little bit. The answer was Woody Allen. All Um, good. And then on the bonus answers, uh, number one all-time was Richard Pryor. Number two all-time was George Carlin. Number three was Lenny Bruce. And the guy I was thinking of uh, whose name is Bill is Bill Hicks. Ah, yes. No points on that one. All the names were said, just not quite in the right order. Um, and uh, Eric did pick up on the uh, the, the year might have been the clue there because I don't think that list would be the same today yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so round one, question three, uh, video games. Um, so while Michael Jordan was notoriously reluctant to have his likeness in video games in the 1990s in games such as NBA Jam, Name either of the two other NBA Hall of Famers, which were available as players in the arcade version of NBA Jam, who later removed their likenesses for future console versions. All right, uh, we have a decent guess here. We're going to lock in. Yeah, I've played the game a little bit. I know Pippin and Horace Grant are available as the Bulls, but um, I'm not really good with the lineups. So, yeah, you kind of messaged me and you said maybe we should just pick some big names and, and pray. Other than like I don't know Magic Johnson or Larry Bird, I wouldn't have the. I think it's don't have a good in on this. Late for Larry Bird, maybe. Oh, we could say Larry Bird. Okay, uh, so the names we discussed: uh, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, and Shaq. Uh, we put Shaq on there because he's very good at marketing himself, and he had a bunch of uh, video games like Shaq Fu and his rap albums and stuff. So maybe he decided I'm going to take my name off of it to make my own money. Uh, so between those three, Jeff, uh, what did you feel the best about? I kind of like Shaq. All right, so we locked in with Shaq. Well, points are finally going out in that question, and they're going out for Shaquille O'Neal, who, like you said, had uh, his own video games. The other answer was also said by Levitating with Lipa was Charles Barkley. So they both had sort of knockoff video games that they wanted their likenesses pulled. Okay. It's a good job. All right, round one, question four. The category is anatomy. 
Um, the Snellen chart, spelled S-N-E-L-L-E-N, is a medical tool used most frequently to test the function of which bodily organ? I think I've got this one, Ken. Okay, you looked excited. <laughs> so Eric, Getting excited over charts is Jeff's business. Yeah, but when we're talking about the Snellen, all bets are off. Give me like three organs. Um, liver. Okay. And he said it was a test, right? Yes. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, it has to be one of those random organs because like, I feel like I would know it if it's from something else, like a liver, pancreas, maybe. Is it, is it a skin test? Oh, it could be. For some kind of maybe like skin elasticity or something. Okay. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, I like, um, I mean, skin is an organ. It's always like trivia fodder to use the skin as like a trick question because it is an organ. So do you want to go skin? Sure. Let's right. do it. All right. Eric was practically pumping his fist over there with excitement. So why don't you take it away? Sure. I believe that this is the classic eye chart where the letters start big at the top and get smaller as it goes down. Yeah, they keep getting blurrier as they go down, right? <laughs> Uh, well, it is not the uh, smelling chart for the nose. It is the smelling chart for the eye. Good job, Eric. I wish I would have figured that out. I walk past one every day. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. Um, round one, question five. The category is awards. While never nominated for an Oscar, Jim Carrey has won multiple Golden Globe awards. But for which film did Jim Carrey win his only Golden Globe for best actor in a motion picture drama? Probably not the number 23. No, definitely not the number 23. <laughs> I know which ones he won the Golden Globe for. I'm just trying to remember which one they would have named motion picture musical comedy, even though one of them was clearly a drama, even though it had comedy in it. Um, we can lock in. I'll, I'll, I'll decide. Okay. Okay. So you got The Majestic. You got Man on the Moon. You got Truman Show, Truman Show and Eternal, Eternal Sunshine. Sunshine. Those are kind of his tour de forces i would say i would pick between man on the moon and eternal sunshine and i'm inclined to think it's man on the moon i was trying to my initial thoughts were between eternal sunshine and truman show but i completely forgot about man on the moon i remember there's a lot of hype for him for man on the moon there's a lot of hype around eternal sunshine the, the movie but the the acting hype for man on the moon was real i'm pretty sure yeah I feel like he did, because to to Neil's point, I think he won for Truman Show, but I think he that based on the the squishiness of the question, that probably makes sense that that would have been marked down as not a drama. So yeah, let's go with let's go with Men on the Moon. Okay. Yeah, we had a, a similar conversation. I know he won for Man on the Moon. I'm pretty sure he won for the Truman Show. I know I think it was a snub that he didn't win for Eternal Sunshine, and he probably should have been nominated for an oscar for that one um and i i cannot remember for the life of me what category like eric was saying it was it was uh under so we went man on the moon too but i it's probably going to bite me in the ass so two men on the moon two men on the moon so jim carrey has won two golden globes one for the man on the moon on um, the man on the moon one for the truman show the hollywood foreign press considers the truman show to be a drama the answer was the truman show mm. Who are you talking to? I'm right here. There's nobody here. Would you like to try some rich oval team? <laughs> that movie's so good. After rewatching it too, it's so uh, relevant as well. Um, speaking of Jim Carrey, a little side side uh, question. A lot of people think he didn't get nominated for an Oscar because he wouldn't send gift baskets to uh, P. 
people to influence their decision, he refused because he said, "I don't want to be. I don't want to win an award in a popularity contest. I want to win for my talent." All right. After uh, five questions, looks like we're tied up at ten, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And all I, I, the scores could be higher. The right answers are, are being said, just not quite getting there. So let's hope that changes. Round one, question six. Category is books. In the last decade, James Andrew Miller has found success authoring comprehensive oral histories on three different subjects from both entertainment and media. Name any one of these three subjects and two bonus points if you can get either of the other two. Uh, Trying to think of oral history stuff, pop culture stuff that's been big in the last decade. I can think of two that sort of makes sense, but... Not sure I can come up with three, and I'm not sure which one I'd put first. Just uh, just go with whatever you think, because I, I don't know where to begin on this question. Okay, so uh, I don't know the name of the author, and I was trying to think of comprehensive books. There was one book that I really wanted to read, and I, I haven't gotten to yet, and it was about uh, DreamWorks SKG, which was uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and David Geffen, and about how they formed, uh, and then how they ended up eventually broke up uh i think it was something called like we were kings or something like that because they were the first um non-major studio to uh to be created and to be successful for at least a while um so that's my guess would be dreamworks um the rise and fall and i, I as, as far as another guess maybe um the, the creation of the mcu i don't know yep and for us we were uh, the only things that I, that sprang to mind were oral histories of saturday night live and Sesame Street. So, Eric, which is your guess for 10 points? Uh, Saturday Night Live. Okay, I'm glad you said that. That Saturday Night Live is one of the three. Um, that one was called, I believe, Live from New York. Um, he also wrote a comprehensive oral history on ESPN called These Guys Have All the Fun. And then the most recent book was regarding the founding of the Creative Arts Agency, or CAA. Oh, wow. He's, and I believe he has another book coming out on HBO. So these are great books. They're just... You know, really sort of fun to read. The Saturday Night Live one, I think, caused some controversy, and the ESPN one was really interesting, too. Cool. All right, next question. Uh, round one, question seven, speaking of Saturday Night Live. Seth Meyers was the last SNL cast member who hosted uh, Weekend Update solo for four seasons from 2009 to 2013. Prior to Seth Meyers, who was the previous cast member who had hosted Weekend Update solo for an entire season? Um, I remember Colin Quinn did it for a long time. How long did no. Norm Macdonald do it? This person did it for two seasons. So, but I do, my seasons. question was who? My question was who? Because I think there might have been like um, random episodes here oh, and there okay. where there might not have had a partner. But this person hosted it for an entire season solo. Got it. Could it be Colin Quinn? I know. I know he did it solo. Though. I wasn't sure about the ordering on him and Macdonald. Though I assumed Quinn was after. Yeah, that's for sure. I feel pretty good about that. All right, we'll say Colin Quinn. Yeah, Colin Quinn was not one of the ones we discussed, although we did have Norm MacDonald we knew did it. We knew Kevin Nealon did it on his own. And we think the most recent one was Dennis Miller. Well, Jeff, you had the three uh, hosts in or opposite order from uh, furthest to most recent who had done it solo, but you're missing one name, and that name is Remote Control Zone, Colin Quinn, who hosted it for two seasons. So points to... Era. That was all in the nineties, wasn't it? I can't believe that was only two seasons. <laughs> I was like a like a lot younger then, so it seemed like he was on there forever. Yeah, I, I remember. Picked, I, 
I think he picked it up about halfway. Th- I think Norm might have quit in the middle of one season, so it might have been like two and a half or something like that. Huh. So great job, though. All right, round one, question eight. The category is Star Wars. In the original Star Wars episode four, A New Hope, other than the title, what two words in the opening crawl are the only words in all capital letters? Well, we're going to go ahead and lock in. We just texted each other the same thing. So in a galaxy far, far away is just the one title dot with the ellipses. Then it's the crawl. And then it's like, these are always the most boring part too. In a galactic federation, taxes are <laughs> being me, argued. Don't get me started about the first like 40 minutes of Star Wars. Um, Holy <laughs> That good, huh? Uh, do you know what word it is then? It would... Well, it's two words. Uh-huh. So I'm just trying to think of two word things that they would want to do in Star Wars. So like the Rebel Alliance is three. The Empire. Oh, that maybe the, the Empire. Death yeah. Star. The Empire makes sense. I mean, that that is the big bad. Yeah, I don't know. Or or Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, do you want to? How about what do you think between Emperor Palpatine, the Empire, and yeah, that's all I got. I don't know. We can go with the Empire. Okay, that's our answer. Eric, I don't think it's the, the the big bad of the Empire, but what they're traveling around in, I believe it's the Death Star. Star Wars is one of my sort of pop culture blind spots, but one of the perks of having a, a nine-year-old son who enjoys the Mandalorian, we've been watching some of these old ones, and the two words capitalized in Star Wars Episode Four are Death Star. Now, was your son as bored by the first uh, 40 minutes of Star Wars as I was? He, he falls asleep like 20 minutes in. Yeah, yeah I did too every the time. first time. Yeah. And robots one. walking around the <laughs> desert for 20 minutes, <laughs> then they get captured, then 20 minutes of that. And then Luke whining for another 20 thing. minutes. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I seriously, like, prior to probably two months ago, I hadn't sat through one of the Star Wars start to finish, and it's sort of been interesting to watch them. I, I kind of think I thought Rogue One was actually the best one of the bunch. Probably the most, probably the most exciting. Or Empire Strikes Back, I suppose. My viewpoint does not represent the views of Triviality Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, round one, question nine. The category is money. Um Appearing at various times on the $2, $5, $10, $20, $50, and $1,000 bill, who has been depicted on more denominations of U.S. currency than any individual since the beginning of the Civil War? You're the currency man. I think you would know better than I would. That's my guess. That's better than I would come up with, yeah. Malakin. Initial thought was Jefferson. Jefferson's definitely on the two. But there's chaos on the back of the two because there's a ton of dudes on the back of the two. Depends that which uh, version you're looking at. That would be after 1976. Okay, Smarty Pants. Let us answer this question. It's it's. I would just guess Jefferson because I I just don't know otherwise. Yeah. Well, I know Jeff pulled up the lyrics to Destiny's Child's "Bills, Bills, Bills" because they talk in uh, about this in extensively. Uh, Jeff. Yeah, we know they put Washington on a bunch of stuff, uh, but we think the answer is Madison. Uh, no points going out on that round. I think there's a musical regarding this fellow. No, it's Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, he had something to do with the treasury. And the final question in round one is in sports. Uh, what legendary football coach won three national championships in the early 20th century at my alma mater, the University of Pittsburgh, but is now known best as the namesake of the largest youth football program in America? I haven't the, f- the faintest. Pop Warner? Whatever you want to say. I think it's Pop Warner. We'll say that. All right. We also said Pop Warner. 
And that's a good way to close the first round. Points going to both teams. It's Pop Warner. Good job. Oh, man, we got some extra points there. I don't think we had a very high-scoring first round, but we were very close on all of them. All right, yeah, looks like you guys got 20 points. We had a little surge in the second half, and we are at 50. As we throw it to David for the swing round, just wanted to say, you know, David is a Dutch enthusiast on Patreon. Eric uh, is an Oakland 5 member on Patreon. Uh, we just got an email today that was really awesome from Patreon uh, saying it, it is our fourth year anniversary of being on Patreon. So um, we couldn't have gotten to this point without your support uh, throughout the years. We started with one patron that then became two after a couple months, that then became maybe around 10 after about six months or so. And then you've you know gotten bigger and bigger as the years have gone by. Uh, and uh, it's through your support that we're able to continue to grow the show and to get better. <laughs> well, Neil, I just want to wish you happy anniversary. Ha happy uh, Patreon anniversary. I did buy some sexy lingerie for later. No whoopee tonight, Ken. I'm sorry. Sad. <laughs> uh, David, uh, if you'd like to get the image of us and Landre out of your head, feel free to tell us what the swing round is about today. Yeah, let's get to that quickly. Um, all right, so the swing round today <laughs> is uh, also a board game. I will give you 10 brief questions and clues, and each answer is also a well-known board game. So number one, 2015 chart-topping hit for Justin Bieber. Number two, 1999 comedy starring Eddie Murphy. Number three, type of pie associated with the South, often in lemon or chocolate varieties. Number four, former CNN debate show featuring a liberal and conservative pundit. Number five, Agatha Christie play, which ran continuously from 1952 until 2020 in London's West End. Number six, title role played by Lawrence's Olivier and Fishburne. Number seven, Primarily Southern double drive-through fast food restaurant merged with rallies in 1999. Number eight, 1996 action film was the first ever commercially released on DVD. Original tagline was, it sucks. Number nine, in 1980, became the second Philly to ever win the Kentucky Derby. Genuine blank. And finally, number 10, Title of the 2003 memoir by Larry Kane, the only American reporter to travel with the Beatles during their landmark United States 1964 tour. And we will uh, come up with these answers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw 
Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she was, or call the police or call the police like <laughs> she should have. Exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then from beneath the Hollywood sign is the gin joint for you. After some deliberation, we are back and we are ready to find out what the answers to these questions are. I think we batted about 50%. We feel pretty good about it. Uh, Jeff and I will talk about a, a skill that we unlocked uh, in the deliberation that I think might put us over the top. Well, let's see. All right. round In the swing round, my first question was the 2015 chart-topping hit for Justin Bieber. All right. We'll start on our side. Uh, this was a pure guess because we don't know Bieber songs. We said Candyland. That could be a, a young Justin Bieber song. This is where we unlocked sort of our strategy. We were having a lot of trouble, and Jeff said, I don't think that these are, uh, you know, really obscure board games. Think of ones that everyone has in their house, and he kept naming a bunch, and then he landed on Sorry, and I said, that's a Justin Bieber song. And that sure is a Justin Bieber song, and it's the answer to question one. The answer was Sorry. Uh, question two, 1999 comedy starring Eddie Murphy. Uh, we took a shot in the dark and went with Guess Who?, um, same strategy. I rattled off a bunch of names and we landed on Life. Neil said that's a movie by Eddie Murphy. I have not heard of it. That's everyone's favorite uh, genre of movies, prison comedies. It is Life. Question three. Type of pie associated with the South, often in lemon or chocolate varieties. We had no idea on this one. Um, we rattled off a bunch of game names and none of them fit. So we just made a disgusting pie with chocolate, lemon and apples to apples. Uh, anytime I hear the word lemon and someone says pie, I immediately think meringue. I don't know if there is a chocolate meringue, but that's what we locked in with. Pretty sure game? there's a chocolate meringue. Is that a game though? We don't know. Whereas who knows? If it is a game, it wasn't the game I was thinking of. I was thinking of lemon or chocolate chess, chess pie. Oh, I don't know if hmm. I've ever. Is that with like the cross hatch on the top? Is that the? Yeah, I think it's for the design oh, okay. or yeah. That makes sense. So question four, former CNN debate show featuring a liberal and conservative pundit. This is back when Tucker Carlson still wore a bow tie. This is Crossfire. Yeah, we uh, we couldn't pull that one. Um, so our joke answer is Battleship. Well, I think Eric uh, picked up on that. I think there was a pretty infamous confrontation with him and Jon Stewart on that show. But the answer was Crossfire. Well done. Question five, Agatha Christie play, which ran continuously from 1952 until 2020 in London's West End. Another one we have to thank Eric for. He said Mousetrap. Yep, we were naming a bunch of Agatha Christie novels slash plays, and when Mousetrap came up, uh, we knew that as a game, so we locked in with Mousetrap. Points to both teams. The answer was Mousetrap. Great job. Question six, title role played by Lawrence's Olivier and Fishburne. Pretty sure this one is a minute to learn, a lifetime to master Othello. Yeah, very shamefully, I happen to know that um, the portrayal of Laurence Olivier in Othello. That is correct. The answer was Othello. Good job. Question seven. Primarily Southern double drive through fast food restaurant merged with rallies in 1999. I wasn't putting this uh, this one together. Uh, we were thinking about it. Eric said, what about checkers? And then the 
the memories of the seasoned fries came flooding back to me, and uh, <laughs> we think it's checkers. We agree. Used to have one not too far from us, uh, and used to go there to just get the fries. So we locked in with checkers. Well, points to both teams again. Great job. The answer was checkers. Back in the day, those seasoned fries were such a f-ing treat, and then everybody got them, <laughs> and now you could just get them wherever, you know. That's true. Yeah, it's there's. But when I was like, fries. when I was like Garlic five, fries. when I was like five, my mom would come home with the seasoned fries. I'd be like, "Mom, this is such a f-ing treat." When you were seven. <laughs> All right, uh, question eight. 1996 action film was the first ever commercially released on DVD. Original tagline was, it sucks. I was a little lost in the woods, but can knew this cold? Twister. Yep, we said that uh, it's a twister. So he said twister. Strong um, movie reference, I know. <laughs> well, you guys are both right. And uh, fun fact, that was probably the first official date me and my now wife went on when I was in 10th grade. But the answer was twister. Wow. So there you go. It was romantic. It was romantic. My mother-in-law, my now mother-in-law came with us on the date. So that was back when that happened. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> no shenanigans in the movie theater. So, all right. Uh, swing round question nine. In 1980, became the second Philly to ever win the Kentucky Derby. Genuine blank. It's a total guess on this one. Uh, we just think the word perfection fits in nicely there. We did word association as well. We thought a cooler sounding name was Genuine Trouble. So we locked in with Trouble. Those are both excellent names for horses, but the answer was Genuine Risk. Mm. Mm. When you said gen- when you said it was the second Philly in 1980, I thought it was Mike Schmidt, but I didn't know a board game. <laughs> That's true. Uh, all right. Uh, last question of the swing round, number 10. Title of the 2003 memoir by Larry Kane, the only American reporter to travel with the Beatles during their landmark U.S. 1964 tour. We are hoping this is Ticket to Ride. As are we. We said Ticket to Ride. Points to both teams. That is correct. It is Ticket to Ride. Great job. All right. After the swing round, both teams picked up a good amount of points. Uh, Sundays with Sufjan. That's our team. 80 points. Levitating with Lipa. 55 points. Okay. Let's go get going in round two. First question is in before and after. Give me the name of the cross promotion between the rock band who sang Shut Up and Dance and a classic Denny's breakfast sandwich. Oh, we can lock in. Okay, the band that did Shut Up and Dance was Walk the Moon. Walk the Moons Over My Hammy. All right. And uh, yeah, we, we had Walk the Moons Over My Hammy. Well, points to both teams. That's a great job. The answer was Walk the Moons Over My Hammy. <laughs> okay, round two, question two. The category is game shows. What number do you get if you add the number of obstacles on a double dare obstacle course, plus the teams which begin the game in Legends of the Hidden Temple, and then add the contestants on a game of guts? And as a bonus question, guts. As a bonus question, prior to hosting guts, Mike O'Malley hosted this Nickelodeon game show for two seasons. We'll say that's a five point bonus question. All right, uh, we have a guess. All right, um, there's three contestants on Guts for sure. Uh, I think it's five or six on Legends. That's where I am. I'm trying to, I I'm trying to remember all of them. I think it's six, but... I think it's more than reasonable. <laughs> it's more than a reasonable amount. Purple Parrots were always the first ones out. That's all I remember. <laughs> Purple Parrots suck. <laughs> and then um, Double Dare, I don't know on that one at all. Maybe five or six obstacles 
All right, so let's say six there for Double Dare. Six teams on Legends, and then three. So that brings us to do, 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 carry the one fifteen. I know, Jeff. I'm doing a I'm doing a bit here. Could you get off my uh, get off my bit? Get off my bit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know about Michael Malley, honestly. He's on Yes yeah, Dear, but that's Yes Dear. Ugh. Uh, yeah, and our on our side here, um, I think our math might be wrong, uh, but we had a very similar conversation. We said six for Double Dare. I think we missed one for Legends. We said five, and then we said three for Guts for a total of 14. Both teams came up a little bit short there. There are eight obstacles on the Double Dare obstacle course, six teams on Legends of the Hidden Temple, and three contestants on Guts. The answer was 17. And the bonus question, which I'm not even sure Michael Malley would know, the answer was get the picture. Oh, get wow. Get the picture. Hosted that for two seasons before Guts. It was like a hidden picture type show. So here's a little trivia for you, but I'm just going to tee it up here. If you were on Legends of the Hidden Temple and you, you could pick what team you were on based on the logo and the color, what would you pick, Ken? Silver. I, I don't remember them. Okay. So no, the Barracudas. 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 Okay. Yeah. Eric? Was the Red Monkeys? Was that right? Green Monkeys. Green Monkeys. What yeah. was red? Uh, red Jaguars. Red That's Jaguars. Silver Snakes always seem cool. Silver Snakes for David? That was the Silver Snakes. Yeah. Let me guess for Neil. It wasn't actually the Red Jaguars because my favorite color is orange, so I always loved the orange iguanas. Uh, but here you go. So check this out. So, so we're so, all enemies. We're all enemies. Someone watched, No purple parrots. Someone watched every episode and did the math on who was the most successful. Over the series 120-episode run... Only 32 temple runs were completed successfully for a win rate of 26%. In terms of the ratio of number of temple runs won by the number of temple runs attempted, Silver Snakes were the winningest with 38% success rate. Green Monkeys were a close second, followed by the Purple Parrots. The Orange Iguanas were statistically the worst team with a success rate of only 16%. The Red Jaguars were a little bit better, and then just short of average were the Blue Barracudas. Okay. Yeah crazy someone watched all this has turned into a legends of the hidden temple saber metrics podcast <laughs> that's true maybe legends just needed billy bean the whole time and it still would be around <laughs> snacking just snacking yeah hey what do you guys uh what do you think about iguanas i think they should replace uh the giant talking head with billy bean brad pitt snacking <laughs> no, it's just brad pitt snacking <laughs> just the mascot. um so you're gonna raid this temple basically you got uh, three pieces you need to recover. Okay. It's like, uh, hey, ancient, ancient Brad Pitt, what's our next trivia question? You know, once on the set of Ocean's 12. <laughs> okay, uh, round two, question three. The category is sports. In 1978, the Barons, a National Hockey League team from this Midwestern U.S. city, became the last big four U.S. professional sports team to go out of business and cease operations entirely. Name the city. Okay, um, maybe uh, Barons, like oil Barons. Yeah, would that, would that be Midwestern? There's a Midwestern oil city. Well, Houston is a huge oil city, and they're technically in the Midwest. Are they really? They're in the South, but they're in the Midwest. Okay, I mean, if, yeah, if that's considered Midwest, then unless you want to uh, go with something like uh, the Dubuque Barons. I was thinking somewhere in Iowa, but I mean, if well, then if you like Iowa, we can go Dubuque. Okay, Dubuque it is. Okay, my only thought here is that Wisconsin oddly does not have a team. They do have a minor league team called the Admirals, 
in Milwaukee, so maybe it's Milwaukee. Well, if we're going by states, there is a National Hockey League team in this state right now. It is the Columbus Blue Jackets. The answer is Cleveland. Mm. Oh, that makes sense. Let's do round two, question four. The category is laws. Texas State Highway 130 has the highest current posted speed limit in the United States. What is that speed limit? I think, I, I would say 90. 85, 90, yeah, somewhere around there. All right, let's say 90. I've definitely driven on Texas roads with a speed limit of 80, so we said 80. Well, if you average your two answers, you get the correct answer. It's 85 miles per hour. Mm, darn it. Uh, you wrote it down, too, Jeff. I did, yeah. So close is going to be the, the way this game goes, isn't it, for us? Yeah, see, you do drive 85 all the time. It's just not posted. Yeah, it's not <laughs> technically legal. What kind of car do you have again? A black one. round two question five the category is box office while the original karate kid never reached number one in the weekly united states box office the karate kid part two did debut at number one ironically dethroning this movie as the number one film a comedy co-starring william zabka oh 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 hold on hold on nobody move Okay, I got it. We're locked in. I sat so still for you, Neil. Thank you. All right. Um, I have no no clue. I don't know any movies besides Karate Kid with Billy Zepka in it. Do you in, do you have any inclination as to what year it came out? Just to try to narrow Late it on something. Late eighties, early nineties. About Better Off Dead. Sure, let's go for it. I got nothing. At first, I was thinking of this one movie called Hot Dog the Movie, but I believe that's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's Charles McNaughton. No, not Charles McNaughton. Um, I can't think of the guy's name. American Werewolf in London. Anyway, um, I don't know if this is correct, but we locked in with Summer School. Oh, Neil, that's close. The answer is Back to School, starring Rodney Dangerfield. Ah, I knew he was in a school movie. I couldn't remember which one it was. Okay, round two, question six. The category is magazines. Lucille Ball has appeared on the most covers of TV Guide magazine. Which man, a television icon for decades, has appeared on the second most covers? All right, we are going to go ahead and lock in here. It's kind of an educated guess. So David was saying um, someone who lasted for decades, a career of decades. I almost want to say maybe Bob Newhart was on a lot. Maybe Johnny Carson, but he was. it's not like it was a TV show. I'm just trying to think of like... Yeah, he wouldn't have been kind of a TV guy kind of guy. I'm just trying to think of must-see TV. Seinfeld wasn't around long enough. He was basically relevant for a decade as far as TV Why guys concerned. Why won't they put me on the guide? <laughs> um, yeah, you're, you're, you're looking. You'll be on the guide. <laughs> you're looking for somebody who's maybe like 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like Bob Newhart. He's everyone loves Bob Newhart. It's impossible not to. Okay, that's what we're locking with. You were looking for somebody who lasts a long time, and we're. Uh, talking about somebody who's still lasting, and that is Dick Van Dyke. Mm. Both good guesses. The correct answer was said, but not uh, officially guessed. The answer was Johnny Carson. Oh, really? I, did, I didn't even think of it. I figured he's a late night host. It wouldn't be yeah. on that many times. How many times was it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, round two, question seven. The category is finance. Uh, TD Bank, the seventh largest bank in the United States, is a subsidiary of a multinational bank headquartered in a foreign city, thus giving the bank the T in its name. Name the city. I think I've got a beat on this one, Ken. Let me message you. Hey, it's all you, man. 
It's all you. If I don't know, I don't know. So you take it away. We're locked yeah. in. We're locked in. Okay. So Tel Aviv. I'm just thinking of T name cities. Honestly, I remember seeing a bunch of TD banks when I was in Canada. So I wonder if it's Toronto. Oh, that makes more sense. But because well, they have like the uh, Royal Bank of Canada, they've got BMO, Bank of Montreal. It makes sense because Scotia Bank. They only have like six banks in Canada. Everyone loves their Tim, Timmy Hortons. They have donuts there. So Toronto oh, Donut man. Bank. Timmy I'm, Hortons is am, the uh, the food truck version of Tim Hortons. Yeah. I am a mess if I don't get my my morning Timbits. Yeah, I like Toronto. Let's go for it. Okay. Are Timbits Dunkin' Munchkins basically? Basically, yeah. Except dirty. All right. So what did we say? They didn't say Tim's Bits. <laughs> Yeah, I believe the TD stands for Toronto Dominion. So Toronto is our answer. All right, well, points go into both teams. The answer was Toronto. Great job. Uh, round two, question eight, category in restaurants. In which restaurant chain can you order the appetizer rattlesnake bites? Jeez. It's got to be one of three. <laughs> and I think I know the three. So I'm going to write them down. And you're going to tell me, and one of them I know you're going to know that it is not, but I'm going to write it down anyway. I'm going to write down the names of three steakhouses. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I, I do think that one, Eric. So let's let's go ahead with it. Yeah, we'll lock in. So which steakhouse are you picking? All right, so the first one that you're thinking of to ask me is a Texas Roadhouse? Yes. That would make sense, but I don't remember that being on the menu. Okay, and then I'm thinking Outback. But Ooh. I want to say... I've had Outback recently. Are there rattlesnakes in Australia? There, I don't know. There's no, a lot but of there's snakes. There's a bunch of snakes. But it doesn't really matter what's in Australia. Because Americans don't care. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing about the Outback commercials. It. Name it rattlesnake bites. Who gives a Well, the, the you fun think thing. These Americans will know. They'll shove yeah. their faces. <laughs> the fun thing about the Outback commercials was that it had Jermaine Clement doing the voiceover, and he's from he's New, New Zealand. 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 Yeah. And like no one probably knew. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if it's Outback. So I'm leaning Texas Roadhouse. And what's the other American fast food? Um, well, we've got like Longhorn, Longhorn Steakhouse. That, yeah, You've yeah. got... Um, you know Texas Roadhouse, and it's not ringing a bell. I've just had Outback like two weeks ago. I don't think Rattlesnake is on it. I've never eaten at Longhorn, and it makes sense that it would be Longhorn. I'm okay with that. That's our answer. All right. And we are going with uh, a marketing mistake and saying it's Outback. Uh, well, once again, levitating with Lipa said the right answer, didn't lock it in. I assume there are rattlesnakes in Texas. I know there are rattlesnake bites at Texas Roadhouse. Made with real rattlesnake or what are they, like jalapeno poppers? I'm assuming jalapeno poppers. I think that's what they are, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we let Stone Cold down. (laughs) (laughs) I I think we did too. And now I feel like, Jeff, I'm going to eat some rattlesnake bites and you're going to have to suck the juices out of me. In punishment. I'm going to be eating crow if I don't get one of these answers right. That's very unvegan. <laughs> All right. Round two, question nine. Music. Which band was originally called the Salty Peppers, but was renamed in 1970 when drummer and founder Maurice White changed their name upon their move to Los Angeles? White picked the new name as a reference to not having any water elements in his astrological sign. We can lock in. I think this makes sense to be Earth, Wind, and Fire, then. Yeah, Since I that yeah, water's yeah. the only one missing. Yep, yep. Sounds good to me. Let's lock in with that. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, I believe uh, the bodacious bass licks from Verdine White must have been his brother. Uh, so, yeah, Maurice White, Earth, Wind, and Fire. 
and points going to both teams. The answer was Earth, Wind, and Fire. Great job. And the final question of round two, the category is baseball. Of the 29 current Major League Baseball franchises which have played in a World Series, who's the only team to have not won a single game? Okay. If you have uh, if you have a thought, you can just run with it. I'm not a baseball All right. guy. All right. I'll lock in with it then. Pirates playing a little game theory. David is in Pittsburgh. He's wearing all Pittsburgh gear. I don't It'll be the Pirates. The other one that came to mind. I don't. Of course, I don't think they ever made it. Was um, the Padres? But not even in the Tony Gwynn era. Uh, yeah. I do. You want to go game theory and just say it's Pirates? Sure. Okay. So they'll probably make it in the, within the next couple of years. But I believe the San Diego Padres have only made it once. It was in 1998 and lost in a sweep to the New York Yankees. So we went with the San Diego Padres. Uh the Pittsburgh Pirates have won multiple World Series. Oh. I believe the I believe the San Diego Padres have made the World Series twice. Okay. Uh, the Seattle Mariners have never made a World Series, but the answer to this question was a team that got swept four games to none by the Boston Red Sox. It is the Colorado Rockies. Ah, that's right. Oh wow! Why did I think the Rockies won one? No, no the Diamondbacks the did. Diamondbacks, yeah. Yeah, the Rockies have only played in one World Series. They probably won't play in another one for a while. <laughs> and at the end of the second round, it looks like Sunday's with Sufjan has 110, and Levitating with Lipa has 85. On to the final. What are the categories today? Okay, and a call back to the halftime round if you can figure it out for your wagers. The categories in descending order. Blue, pink, yellow, green, orange. All right, and the wagers are locked in for the final round. Let's have the questions, please. Okay, I think the team sort of figured out my hint for the categories here, if they could remember the original Trivial Pursuit uh, colors. So question one, blue for geography. Founded in 1837, which major American southern city was originally named Terminus as it was the zero-mile post of a new railroad? Later, this city was more commonly called Thrasherville after pioneer John Thrasher. Name the city. Question two, pink for entertainment. In 1994, Disney released its first ever direct-to-video film, a sequel to this popular movie. Question three, yellow, history. Although the war net neither started nor ended there, during the American Revolution, more military engagements occurred in this present-day state than any other including two significant battles in its capital in 1776 and 1777. What is the state? Question four, green, science. Which word is made by spelling across the chemical symbols for elements 17, 18, and 19 on the periodic table? This word is also the name of one of the first mass-produced candy bars in the United States, developed in Pittsburgh in 1917. Finally, number five, orange, sports. Which NBA team has the highest all-time winning percentage for regular season games? As a hint, they play in the Western Conference, and they are not the Lakers, who are second best all-time. Name the team. All right, we will be considering these questions, and we'll be right back. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. 
We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages. Teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Okay, all the answers are now locked in. Seems like we probably didn't do so hot, but uh, let's find out. Let's find out together, guys. Except okay, for Matt. Question, <laughs> question one of the final round was in geography. Founded in 1837, which major American southern city was an originally named Terminus as it was the zero-mile post of a new railroad? Later, this city was more commonly called Thrasherville after pioneer John Thrasher named the city. Yeah, we were thinking originally for 10 points, maybe Atlanta because of the Atlanta Thrashers, but we kind of felt like it was a western city um, since we we're talking about the uh, the railroad. Now I hear you say the zero point of the railroad, so maybe it's Atlanta, but we guessed Dallas. And for 20 points, we said Atlanta. Well, Ken, you sort of got on Atlanta early because of the Atlanta Thrashers hockey team. The Thrasher in the Thrashers hockey team is actually named for a bird native to Atlanta. But coincidentally, that is also the answer to this question. It is Atlanta. Shucks. Shucks. Sorry, Ken. Sorry. Question two, Pink Entertainment. In 1994, Disney released its first ever direct-to-video film, animated film, a sequel to this popular movie. Uh, for another 10 points, kind of just thinking about um, some of the crappy direct-to-video sequels. Uh, we thought the timing was kind of right for Little Mermaid 2. Yep, we wagered 30 points on this one, uh, going big on pink. Jeff said, is it The Lion King? I said, no, The Lion King was released in 1994, which some consider the best year in film. Uh, I remember another sequel uh, that was released, uh, a lesser sequel in the Disney canon, and it has the same amount of syllables as today's uh, subtitle, The Return of Fudor. We said it was Aladdin 2, The Return of Jafar. And Ken, I believe, remembered the bad Little Mermaid sequel and the bad Lion King sequel, but not the bad Aladdin sequel. It is Return of Jafar. That so one had the flying horses Aladdin. that were like black and were like super sleek looking. And... I don't remember it being too terrible, but I do remember Robin Williams not being in it. And that kind of ruins it. Yeah. Right. Uh, question three of the final round, yellow for his. History. Although the war neither started nor ended there, during the American Revolution, more military engagements occurred in this present-day state than any other, including two significant battles in its capital in 1776 and 1777. 
was thinking that the capital city that you're talking about is the Battle of Trenton, where Washington crossed the Delaware to surprise the Hessians on Christmas, and we went with the beautiful Garden State, New Jersey. Yeah, I totally forgot about the Battle of Trenton, but I feel like they had also a lot of engagements in Philadelphia. So we just guessed Pennsylvania for 10 points. Well, Eric picked up on this one uh, pretty early. It is New Jersey. Good job. Uh, question four, green science. Which word is made by spelling across the chemical symbols for elements 17, 18, and 19 on the periodic table? This word is also the name of one of the first mass-produced candy bars in the United States, developed in Pittsburgh in 1917. Uh, for 10 points, uh, couldn't quite get here. Um, Eric knew his elements pretty well, and he located argon in that uh, range, but uh, couldn't really fit it in properly. We went with Mars, even though it's wrong. This was a uh, real team effort with Neil and I. I had argon right away for 18, and then I was pretty sure potassium, so after we had uh, ARK, he said, what about Clark? And I went, oh yeah, chlorine. That makes perfect sense. So we locked in Clark. It is Pittsburgh's own Clark bar. That is correct, Jeff. Good Very job. Nice. Finally, question five, orange sports. Which NBA team has the highest all-time winning percentage for regular season games? As a hint, they play in the Western Conference, and they are not the Lakers, who are the second best all-time. Uh, for 10 points, we just uh, did a toss-up here, and we went with the Warriors. We wager 10 points on this one. Uh, all the listening to the Benchwarmers uh, trivia podcast, I think, is is uh, coming in handy. We named every team we could think of in the Western Conference. And then we realized uh, one of the best coaches of all time, uh, Pop Popovich, uh, coaches the San Antonio Spurs, and they're always dominant. They've and sort of been a sneaky fifth, fourth place dynasty for like 20 years. So Yeah. So we figured the numbers can't lie there. So we said the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, you sort of have to think of a team that really hasn't been bad in a long time, maybe really ever, um, with a 62% winning percentage all time. It's the San Antonio Spurs. Great job. Well, the uh, the final determined the outcome of the game. Uh, Sundays with Sufyan was just a little too relaxed. We ended up with 80 points. And uh, you guys are the cream of the crop today with 145 levitating with Lipa. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. That was not a guarantee. Neil yeah. and I had a terrible game. Yeah, we had a really bad game. <laughs> Luckily, the final went our way. I mean, There's we... quite a few questions there where I was like, how does Eric know this? And I was very impressed. So yes, we feel very fortunate. Worthy competitors, though. Uh, and as a consolation prize, you can all join us for a listening party of Dua Lipa's latest album. <laughs> I will not be in attendance. Uh, Eric, uh, thank you very much for joining us. As we said at the top, uh, you helped influence the show uh, and made it better. And we thank you for that. And also thank you for your Patreon support. But uh, anyone you would like to shout out, any plugs, anything you would like to tell the people at home? Thanks for doing everything you guys do. It's a fantastic podcast, and I'm proud to uh, be a Patreon supporter. And uh, so I guess Ken and I are just going to find the most depressing Sufjan Stevens record. I believe it's Carrie and Lowell, and we're going to go cry in a corner now. That's right. <laughs> Jeff and I will bring the tissues, and maybe we'll, we'll give a good cry. We could all use a good cry uh, after uh, the time we've all had. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for joining us again. And David... Um, we've said thank you a million times for your Patreon support, and we will continue to say thank you a million times. But uh, any shout-outs, last words uh, after this incredible game that you wrote for us today? Um, quick shout-out to my uh, family trivia game. We do sort of a Zoom call on Sunday nights, and they play-tested some of these questions, and that was a big help. Um, and then, like again, anybody listening to this, please just support the show. It's a great show. Um, 
and it's uh, really rewarding to sort of be uh, a member and a contributor to it and maybe have multiple Patreon memberships like I do unknowingly and, <laughs> and you get even more pleasure for supporting this show. So I can only encourage that. But uh, thank you guys for having me again. I look forward to uh, continuing to be on. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for coming back. This is fun. Yep. Yeah. And we do, en- game, David. we do encourage all of our Patreon listeners to double enroll in Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of double enrolling, um, the only way I, I believe we can repay you is if there ever is an open invitation to join uh, Family Trivia Night on Zoom, uh, with one of us at least, at least I would, I'll, I'll pop in and, and uh, play poorly on one of your teams. Uh, anytime, Neil. That would be awesome. Appreciate awesome. It. Well, uh, yeah, thank you very much to Eric and David for joining us today and all of our patrons and listeners in general who uh, help support the show and spread the word and uh, continually uh, listen to some of our dumb answers and uh, some of our lucky victories as we had today. But uh, for Matt, who is uh, still trying out the community theater production, Jeff, Ken, Eric, and David, my name is and Neil. And David a second time. And David a second time. My name is Neil, and that was Triviality. We used to uh, do some light gambling on guts. In our younger years. <laughs> Not much younger, though. Like our early 20s. You do know that was 20s, like more, almost more than a decade ago. It was half our life ago. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the good content that gets cut, so...